Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And welcome back to Once Upon a Timing, your podcast for curses of old, curses of new, and a side plot that has absolutely nothing to do with the main one, and yet we have to talk about it anyway. This is going to be a fun one, guys, and by that I mean we're going to get through it in the clean 20 minutes. Well, not really, but you know, I try. I am Beth Alderkin, and I'm joined as always by the lovely Abby. Abby, how are you doing after this one? I love when we promise shorter episodes always are our longest episodes. We get so derailed or just in just such a huff. I think that that's going to be broken on this episode because genuinely there's nothing even to huff about. It's just this is what it is. I'm just going to have a side topic about feminism and tattoos at one point. But other than that, there is an entire half of this episode that is unnecessary. Yeah, it's yeah. inconsequential. Like, there's two parts of the episode. There's the main storyline, which is just putting the pieces together for, you know, the mid-season finale that I am, for the record, really excited about. Like, this got me pumped. But then you have a... Because you have to have, you know, you have to have this is the B-plot. You have to have the past storyline in some capacity. And the one that they chose has nothing to do with anything, it just happens. And it also, if you think about it for 45 seconds, it makes no sense. Because, like, we got a kind of Pandora's box a couple episodes ago, but it's like steampunk version. And now we just, now we just have Medusa. I like the idea of, like, let's go vacationing. There's a monster around the corner. Like, what kind of vacation home is this? Like, this is the world's worst Aaron PB. Yeah, this, none of this made any sense. There were no stakes. Like, I know there's not really stakes in the flashbacks before because you know that they get out of it. But it was always like, a these, are, these aren't these are stakes. These are like heartwarming moments so you understand their character growth. And I think literally, and, and we'll get into it, but the only part of the flashback that I enjoy is the part where Snow is having a literal meltdown right after her wedding. Like, that I feel is a normal reaction to a woman bursting into your wedding and cursing you and everyone you love. Like... Those are behind closed doors, queen reactions, and then she immediately cleans it up the moment Grumpy walks in. That is great. Wonderful. Everything that happens the moment that stops befuddles me to my very core. With the exception of Charming's MO just being 
uh, I haven't had sex and I want to have sex. He is horny as hell in this whole episode. The old, I, whatever they did with Charming on this, on this, like, uh, this, uh, flashback, I liked this version of Charming. Like, he's he's just just He's just a, he's just a dude. Wants to bang his wife. He's got a brand new wife. Let's go like vacation. I know we got some chores to do, but I'll do all those. But then he's also kind of like, he's he's aware. Like he's not so horny that he doesn't understand that his wife is like clearly in the throes of like some sort of like anxiety attack in which swords are involved. So like, and then so he's like a little cocky about it and supportive and goes with her. This version of Charming, I like. Where did this guy go? We have been saddled with pretending not to be dying Charming this whole season where's this guy that's a good question we're we're gonna try and find him in this episode which is season three episode 10 the new neverland which that i mean i don't like that title i think it's a bad title it's a terrible title it's the literal last words of the episode so it has nothing to do with the actual episode itself yeah, I, I, I got to give it uh, pretty much every title internationally is the New Neverland. But of course, I got to sh- give a shout out to German because they call it Pan's New Neverland. But it has a question mark. Like even they're like, really? That's the title? Pan's New Neverland? Really? <laughs> yeah. Pan's new, uh, it's a question. Pan's New Neverland? I mean, I mean, I don't make the rules. You make the rules. I guess it was like a copy edit. They were just like, is that really what it is? And then they ran with it. I love it. Yeah, so the main uh, main storyline of this episode is we've got everybody returning to Storybrook from Neverland. Everyone's rejoicing, but we're going to wait on that because first we have to go do something that no one cares about and try really, 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 really hard to hide Jennifer Goodwin's baby bump. Uh, I love playing Watch the Baby Bump. Um, this whole episode had a we're sorry about Neverland Please remember what you love about this show. So we open with the quintessential scene is Regina running in to curse the wedding, which is no one cursed my wedding. No one cursed your wedding. Frankly, our weddings were boring, apparently. So no one cursed my wedding. I'll be mad about this till I die. So she comes in. She does that. They show they do that setup and. They cut all the fun CGI parts out, and they also keep kind of a wide shot away from snow for most of this because they had no idea how to remake her hair in the weird nest situation that she had on her original bridal hair. Yeah. Also, I think they want they changed the f- the shape of the dress to you know to conceal her her tummy. Yeah, correct. Um, you can see the 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 very titular um crease in the corset. It just made me feel for Jennifer Goodwin altogether because I'm like, why are you putting a pregnant woman in a corset at all? Yeah. I don't care if it's flexible. Put her, yeah, agreed. Yeah, put her in something else and like make her hold a popcorn bowl or something, like a giant purse. Like make her hold shit. I mean, I, I get that they, you know, they're they're trying to you know keep it hidden until they want the pregnancy to be part of the storyline because that's clearly what they're building to. But like. I don't know something something about like I would have just preferred they were just like she was just pregnant with Emma and because everyone knows she's pregnant like you, you you can't hide it just have her be instead of it being their honeymoon have her be pregnant with Emma and they go do this adventure then you have the which, extra element of she's expecting a baby which I thought was what they were gonna do you know what I mean yeah. like she's getting that because because what we and we'll get to this, but like in the present, Charming makes a comment when Emma is reacting very protectively of Henry, 
where he kind of looks at Snow and goes, who does that remind you of? That line made me think she's pregnant, she knows it, and she is doing this to save her child ahead of time. Like, she's just intuitively knowing that she's pregnant. And that never came up. So, again, if you're going to hide a baby bump, hide a baby bump. Don't do do be better. Put it somewhere better in the storyline. Um, but whatever. Whatever. Anyway, so we get the best... Uh, snow and charming reaction. Like, I like this. It, it was a little bit much, but I do like this where Snow is very angry that Regina came and cursed her wedding. So they are alone and Snow is so mad. Like, face-melting mad because she wants to do something. And Charming, ever the rock, somehow, for some reason in this flashback only, is just like, listen, you... He's even pointing out inconsistencies with the play. He's like, listen, you try, You said killing her wasn't the option. Now we're here. What are you talking about? And she's just like, uh, it's different. She threatened all the people. It's different now. I'm like, she was threatening all the people and raising villages the entire time. I don't understand how this is different, but sure. And so she's like, you know what? Yeah, we can go on our honeymoon, honey. That's fine. Um, I would love to go. Uh, <laughs> I would love to go to the summer castle. It's where my parents went. Uh, I would love to go. And he's like, score. I'll go pack all of our things. And you're right because he was so horny because I just, I I thought in myself when he said, I'm going to go pack, I just thought he was going to turn around and just go, but not the condoms. Like, <laughs> hey. Like, Clothing optional. Like that, like, kind of like, like that kind of like, like just partner energy that you have like that's the kind of thing that they never really show they start showing a little bit more in contemporary television shows but like back in the early 2000s you never got to see real interactions like this is just how couples talk when no one's listening like yeah it's a whole different thing so anyway so he leaves grumpy comes in and then is just like sorry i overheard this because of thin masonry not a thing you were just straight up eavesdropping, but yeah, fine. it's a it's a full on stone castle, grumpy. Yeah. Like, you were what just, are you even talking about? You were under the table, like listening, and he's like, "Hmm, I, I kind of agree with you." Uh, and she's like, "Don't worry, I'm going to the summer castle because there's something there to help defeat the queen." I'm like, first of all, grumpy, get the hell out of this." I, I, as we go on, I'm just realizing how messy grumpy and hook are. Hook so much. Hook is the messiest bitch in the show, and I love it so much. But Grumpy was the same way. He was just like, I heard you and your husband um, fighting. I am going to choose a side for no reason. Like, never choose a side. What are you doing? Yes, they have different motivations for being messy. Hook is messy because it's fun, and he is always out to have a good time. So he's looking out for himself and he likes to be entertained. Grumpy does it just because like he, he just, I think he almost is just kind of driven to, I think he's just like his, cause he's grumpy. He, he doesn't want things to be pleasant. So he's just going to cause conflict. Like he's, he's that person who's going to just twist the knife a little bit just to see what happens. He's got to touch the hot stove. He's your toxic fucking friend where he's just, yeah. I don't know why I dropped a hard F bomb on that one, but he's just your hard, just really bad toxic friend. Who's just like, you're going to let him talk to you like that. Okay. Like just enough, like not enough to get you even matter, but enough for you to like walk away going. 
yeah, why was he talking to me? Like, just enough, just the seeds of chaos. Yeah. So they go and, again, hide the baby bump. They put her in this giant riding cape that Horny Charming is trying to, like, (laughs) take off of her. And she's like, (laughs) oh, no, no. Oh, no, no. What? Why? Why? What? And then they like they reveal that she's in some hunting garb. Also looks like riding garb. So does I don't. I eh, this is just uh, confusing. It, it, yeah, they were trying to make this big reveal of like, oh, she's in her old snow hunting clothes. Like, what? One, why didn't she just bring it with her to change when she got there? And and two, I don't know. This whole thing was just very weird to me. Like. I get Charming just being super horny. He hasn't he hasn't consummated the marriage yet. They haven't hung out the bed sheets for the peasants to gaze at. Um, he doesn't even want to wait to get to the bedroom. He like this is a dirty, cold living room where everything is covered, all the furniture is covered. And he's like, I don't care. We'll do it right here. Listen, listen, listen. <laughs> whatever like he just he he's just he's shooting a shot he's trying to make it happen like he's trying to get there and and she says no and he backs off so it's like he's being respectfully horny which is nice yeah uh but he he's like fine and he was just he says it so saucy like you could just tell like he's trying to like i need to say something flirty but i also need to leave so i'll go stable the horses (laughs) what (laughs) charming what does that mean uh, does is weird double entendre that I don't want to talk about. Did they bring anyone with them? Like, no. why? Why wasn't? Why weren't people sent ahead to prepare the summer palace? to take the sheets off of all of the? Like, it's like, yeah. wow, look how beautiful it is. Everything is still in attic mode. Like, you're supposed to send people ahead to take care of all this stuff. Uh, so it was just, it was like a weird thing. And we're never in that castle again. So it's like this weird one shot for no reason. They're like, look how beautiful it is. We could have just had an elaborate castle because it was clearly green screened. No need for like, there's a different way to make it look old without having the sheets on everything. Anyway, so she decides she's going to go out. So she, uh, ta-da, she's in uh, riding an uh, ar- archery garb. She grabs her bow and arrow and she makes a run for it. And Charmy's like standing there. It's just like, I knew it. I knew there was a reason you didn't want to sleep with me. It's because <laughs> it's because you had a mission. And he's like, fine, let's go. And then she just like, listen, the way that this all got dropped is the most bananas thing. Like this was so she's like, listen, there's a woman in the woods. Her name is Medusa. If she looks at you, she turns you to stone. And it's the way they do these things of everyone knows what this is, but we're going to try to explain it quickly, but like not so quickly that people that don't know what it is would understand it. And it always just sounds like aliens talking out of context. It's just like, yes, she is. She, because they don't also give a whole bunch of background as to how she got there or why Greek mythology has been dropped into the middle of a story or into the, the um, forbidden for what am I thinking of? Holy cow! Enchanted, Enchanted forest. forest, boy, my brain. <laughs> but they never explain that. They just kind of give this rambling explanation of the fact that she's a monster and they need to go get her. And Snow's plan: she wants to cut Medusa's head off. But Medusa's immortal. Uh, error. She is not immortal. But okay, we're gonna just keep pressing on. So her 
alive head is going to then be shown to Regina so that she turns into stone so they can mail it to her, I guess. That's the plan. The plan is to behead this monster and the alive, the continued alive head because she can't die if she's beheaded, which is a very weird, uh, very dark, terrifying thing to think about. Well, I mean, uh, that's the original story. She's not, she, she's a more, she is, I thought out of all of the, okay, I'm going to butcher names here. Out of all of the three sisters, the Gorgons, she was the one mortal one, which is what made her terror. I have a lot of, like, I tried to do some rapid fire research on this because I wanted to make sure that my feminist take that I'm about to go on was correct. Uh, but I thought she was more, I think in the original story, and please tell me that I'm wrong, anybody listening to this, please let me know I'm wrong. But the way my understanding was that she was the mortal of the three sisters, which made her the scary one for some reason, because she didn't, she wasn't immortal. I don't know. I, I, it doesn't matter. In this version, well, she is immortal. So I believe you are correct. I'm actually, I'm looking at the very handy Wikipedia. She, she was beheaded and then she was dead, but her, her, her head still retained the ability correct. to turn people to stone, even though but, she yes. was dead. So they just they just missed that that sentence. It, yeah. they, they missed that paragraph when which, they were doing the cliff's notes, which makes it Greek so mythology. much more terrifying. Like yeah. we're gonna take this woman's bodyless bodyless head with us. I would if someone if I was an immortal being and someone took my head, I would never stop talking. <laughs> I would just be screaming at the top of my lungs. Every plot point. To Marvel movies, you could talk, like, just endlessly until they, like, made me, like, put a gag in my mouth or something. Like, it would just be like, screw you. This sucks. Anyway, that's her plan. And Charmy's like, listen, I guess I'm coming with you, you know, in in sickness and in health and in adventures or not. Let's go. So they go. And they go to this terrible, terrible cave, like, castle thing. And they pretty much thing. just recreate the story of Perseus. Yeah. Just like uh, not even trying. No. So then she tries to cut Medusa's head off. The Medusa. Oh god, the guy's the Medusa. It's so. She's like a mermaid. Yeah, she oh, had man. like a bra on. Yeah, it was all very like, hey, you wanted Ariel? Here she is, babe. And like, she just wah, 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 which uh, whatever. And so she tries to cut her head off. It doesn't work. And she's like, uh-oh, that, that wasn't part of the story. None of this was part of the story, Snow. But carry on. We're going to push forward here. Charming gets turned to stone. Uh, which, which special effect do you think was worse? Medusa or the Charming statue? It's Medusa 100%. 100% it's Medusa. But they uh, both sucked. They both sucked. Third, uh, not because it sucked, but because there's no reason for this to have happened. But Regina talking to Snow in a mirror, just being like, oh, no, he's a stone. I didn't even have to lift a finger. Like, she's giving the lesson. Like, she's given, like, the Aesop's Fable, like, lesson at the end of this when Snow should have had to get there by herself. I'm mad that Regina was just like, oh, this is the lesson you should have learned. I didn't have to lift a finger. You defeated yourself. And she's like, oh, no, I did defeat myself. So then she shows Medusa a mirror, mirror. She turns. And then she says the thing that pisses me off the most, where she shows her the mirror. And then because that kills her, beheading her doesn't kill her, but turning her to stone apparently does. Uh, Charming gets to come back to life. 
And she goes, Charmy's like, you did it. You defeated Medusa. And she's holding the mirror and she's like, no, she defeated herself. No, incorrect. (laughs) This poor woman has been living in this cave dungeon thing, making sure there's no mirrors, has no idea what she looks like because she knows she's smart enough to know. And you did that. You defeated her. Don't, Don't get around this by acting like you didn't just straight up murder a monster that you now, like, who is probably living her best life? I mean, it's not the first time that Snow uh, gives, like, excuses her own horrendous actions as a human being. Correct. Uh, and so the only the only thing that, like, I found interesting, this is why I was doing rapid fire research, because these are things I learned on TikTok. So I had to make sure that what I was learning was correct. Uh, but a lot of, like, the resurgence in feminism of getting the Medusa tattoo as a sign of survivorship of mm. trauma and sexual assault. So uh, thinking that while I watch this and her being like, no, she defeated herself. I'm like, I'm just 14 different kinds of mad. Like you've butchered the story. You've butchered the everything. All of this is bad. You've wasted Medusa. Congratulations. Proud of you. Yeah, this was, this was a rough one. <laughs> I also find it really weird that turning her to stone killed her but it didn't kill charming and and i also love how snow in in in, she takes a a breath in and says medusa is immortal and then on the exhale she's like if she dies then everyone who's stone comes back to life so like but you just said she can't be killed so So, why that so the logic because that was her that's her scapegoat like her logic was i'm gonna keep Again, the more you think about it, the more twisted this sounds. She's going to behead a a monster, okay? And she's going to show that monster's face to Regina. Uh, This uh, very alive, disembodied head to Regina. And Regina's going to turn to stone. And then Snow's going to do what with the head to make sure it stays alive? Because if it dies, then Regina's gone. So, like, her only thing was, like, as long as we keep Medusa's head alive... Uh, we keep Regina in stone, but we have the choice to then kill this head, uh, and then Regina would be would be set free. So I'm not killing her; I'm just trapping her. Yeah, so it's fine. Put Medusa's head in water. You know, feed it twice a day. It's like take a it on walks. It's like a Futurama head. Yeah, it's just sitting in the thing, just like being very snarky. Like, uh, uh. Um, oh my god! Can you imagine? Uh, Medusa, like the newest member of the the ladies who brunch. Oh yeah, the, she's the just tavern. like in the t- she's just like in the tank, and they're like pouring champagne just directly into her tank, and just just tell us all about it, honey. Oh, that men suck. <laughs> and then Grumpy comes me- by to just stir up shit, and everything goes to hell. Oh yeah, but like she's also because like the ladies who brunch don't want to be turned into stone. She's wearing like the big like. Gucci sunglasses. Uh, big Gucci sunglasses. And they're like, honey, you look amazing. She's like, I know. Oh, I love it. <laughs> so I do want to point out that uh, we technically met our goal. It's been 20 minutes. And we, well, technically we didn't finish the episode, but we did finish talking about this storyline 20 minutes. Cha-ching. We did it. Everyone learned a valuable lesson. No one learned anything from this. We didn't grow as no. people, but now a monster's dead. Um, anyway, let's go on to the story that mattered, but slash didn't matter either. Yeah. Because it was just story building. <laughs> 
Well, before uh, before our wonderful heroes are uh, return from the skies, we first open with Belle with, as Abby pointed out to me previously, the world's worst wig. Oh, why? Who put this wig on her? Who did she make mad in the wardrobe department? Who? Who did she piss off? Yeah, there wasn't even a lace front. This was like trash wig. So her and Ariel, Ariel, a mermaid who's barely ever used feet, now all of a sudden can wear giant ass stilettos. She looks amazing. Okay, were they stilettos? They look like those big, chunky, early 2000s. They were, like, yeah, but yeah, they were still okay. hella tall. Like, they were still high, high oh, heels. Yes. yes, they were very high heels. And I was like, okay, girl, I mean, if you figured it out, you figured it out and you look fantastic. But also, well, she only learned to walk in high heels. If you put her in sneakers, she'll just fall down. (laughs) Yes, they find uh, Prince Eric, who is a fish decapitator. Wild, wild choice. Chunks, chunks. But it's all right because they're super happy and reunited. Uh, and I got to give props to Prince Eric's chunky fisherman sweater because a chunky knit sweater is the most gorgeous thing a man can wear. Oh, I yeah. Said it. Very, I said it. very ransom Drysdale, Chris Evans, uh, knives out situation mm-hmm. going on there. 10 out of yeah. 10. Yeah, I swear. Every every man should own a chunky fisherman sweater. It's, you heard it it's here first. A required wardrobe. Required. Get rid of the cargo shorts. Add a chunky knit sweater. Just saying. It should really be like, it's like always like hot girl fall and everything like that. It needs to be like hot guy fall. Like guys, yeah. just get your sweater on. Get your yeah. sweaters on. Hot main guy fall. Go go, yeah. go look at boats. Yeah. Oh, Belle looks to the sky. The Jolly Roger is flying in. Speaking of bad CGI, we're going to continue that trajectory. This thing was very sad looking. It looked like a template. Yeah, wee. Oh, no. And then from then on, I hate Belle and I hate Rumple and I hate both of them. In every scene I see them and in this episode, I don't want to see them anymore because it's just like lovey-dovey. He came back. You came back. I came back. I'm never going to leave. I'm never going to doubt you again. Spoilers. He's going to doubt her like all the time. I I will appreciate Rumple. Like, I still like the way Rumple is costumed right now. Oh, he looks I great. I dig this. I dig this so much. I think that's what made the wig look worse. Like, it was just <laughs> like, how did you get that? And then you're going to put her next to that? You got to try. Oh, who, honey, who did you piss off? Please tell me. What yeah, happened? His, his, like, his modern rumple outfit is great. The modern crocodile. The the, the crocodile 2.0. The crocodile for a new generation. But then not when your, he also gets back into his crocodile. <laughs> But then when he gets back into his, like, traditional, you know, Mr. Gold outfit with the tie and everything, he looks great then, too. Like, he yeah. looks he looks good. Uh, but anyway, so everybody dis- uh, descends from the Jolly Roger in glorious slow motion, which lets us just see it all in a very awkwardly long time frame. Let's just sit here as everybody smiles and claps. This this had such a weird season finale vibe to like series finale. Like you've returned. You've been gone for years. Hello. Like slow hug. Granny gives Emma the longest hug. Like the long like you would think bad things have happened based on the hug that Granny gave Emma. Um I I Again, I like this, but I also do like that, like, 
like Belle looks up and she's like, he's here. The next voice you hear while people are getting off the boats is Grumpy. <laughs> so I like that Grumpy saw something coming from the skyline and probably just bolted to the docks. <laughs> what is it? Is it a curse? I must announce it. <laughs> uh, yes. Yeah, so they all are. They all are coming together. Everybody's very excited. They're all super happy. And and then you've also got Henry coming out in slow motion, looking around. But it's not actually Henry. It's Pan in disguise. And I'm going to. I so in the last episode, Jared Gilmore didn't exactly land the Henry as Pan thing. In this episode, he does with his face. He doesn't with his voice. No. But I think that that gets corrected by the fact that when Henry is in Pan's body, Pan's voice also isn't different much. Yeah, but I feel I feel like the inflection in tone when when the Pan actor was playing Henry was better than vice versa. Like yeah, they they both sounded like themselves, but I felt I actually was pretty impressed with how um, the actor who plays Pan Robbie, whatever his name is, I actually kind of, I saw Henry in him. I felt like he was doing a better job. Not great, mind you, but better. But like when, when Jared Gilmore was like, look, like he would just stare. I'm like, okay, I see it. You're staring creepy. <laughs> I oh, like I love it. staring creepy Henry. Staring creepy Henry is just tops. 10 out of 10, best part of the episode. Like, I think he does it like towards the end of the episode where he's like looking over the book and I, it, his eyes look sunken. Like it was wild. <laughs> like, is yeah. he dying? Well, he I was, that this. was great. That was all fantastic. It's just when he started talking, I'm like, no, this doesn't, the, the dialogue isn't working. The dialogue does not fit out of your mouth. Like this dialogue does not work with your face. So, and that's a lot, I think, with, with him being such a young actor because a lot of the times even his own lines don't land because of just the way his own inflections are when he's acting. Mm-hmm. Uh, he just doesn't sound like a natural, like this is not how humans speak. Like, and that's what you get when you get kid actors. It's why a lot of people don't like kid actors uh, is because they just don't, when they start acting, we'll do air quotes here. Just, I don't know why, but when they start doing that, they, it just sounds so forced or they put the wrong emphasis on the wrong syllable to quote Mike Myers. Um, yeah, uh, a little bit better than last episode, by far. Yeah, it's getting there. So he he kind of you know lets Felix know, hey, I've got a plan going. Things are in the works, but to do that, they're gonna need to trust me, Henry, the boy they already trust. <laughs> First of all, Felix in broad daylight is hysterical. Like He's so fe- bad. Felix looks like he wandered out of like the warp tour and just like is looking for a bottle of water and just got like caught up in whatever's happening here on on the east coast like he does not he just looks so much more sunken and just disheveled and deranged and unfed uh it just I I love it and I love how much they all hate Felix too they're just like hey Felix is still out ugh Felix ugh we hate you and Henry basically is like hey Felix is trying to sell me some molly (laughs) can you take him to jail please this almost grown man is trying to sell me drugs um I feel unsafe 
Uh, we're going to need to take, and I love, we need to charm. He's like, oh, we'll take him straight to jail, straight to jail. Uh, I, I don't know. I've, I've been kind of debating back and forth whether or not I find it weird that Regina doesn't notice. I was just thinking that and I wanted to talk about that because a whole big part of this episode is Emma no, feeling in her gut that something is wrong with Henry. Something isn't setting right. And Regina just full blinders. She's not even paying attention. In fact, she accuses Emma of just lashing out because Henry wanted to spend the night at her place. And I get Regina wanting to like, they've had the battle of the mothers a little bit. And so I get Regina kind of trying to stake her claim, but at the same time, she has known him his whole life. Like she would know him better than Emma does. I'm sorry. I, I listen, that's what I was going to say. I agree full, full, because she, Regina, for as bad of a mom and evil woman that, that Henry seemed to think that she was, she would know how he would react to things and how he would say things. Um, she should have known from the jump when they were like laying in bed and he was like saying weird stuff to her. Like, yeah, what pizza's good, I guess. It, she should have known. I would have liked this to have been swapped. Like, I do like the idea that someone's got blinders on, but the other one doesn't like, because Reg- I feel like Regina would have known immediately the moment Henry was just like, I would like to stay with you. Henry slash Pan was like, I would like to stay with you. And she'd be like, oh, this is great. And then like, as they walk, they're like, that's weird. Why would he have chosen? Because he doesn't offer any explanation. Henry doesn't stop talking. <laughs> Henry is a chatty Cathy. It's what he does. He has a lot of things to say. That should have been the first giveaway. I would have been interested to see like Emma caught up more with Neil and just be like, something's weird about what's happening, but she can't pinpoint what's going on. Something doesn't set right. And she thinks it's the Neil thing. But then like Regina is having this quiet, like staring at her son being like, you're not my son. What's happening. The problem was, is this was a narrative decision, not a character decision. Correct. Because for the narrative, we needed Regina to eventually take Henry down to her magic cellar so that he could get the thing that he needed in order to enact the curse, which was the original parchment for the curse, which now has a, a, a oh, whoop, I knocked over my microphone. Calm down, Beth. Ah, Calm very passionate down. about this. She's very upset about the scroll. Uh, which now has like a, a fancy book jacket on it. <laughs> I didn't think it had before. It was very funny to me. But alas, yeah. So we need to get Henry down to the basement. How do we get Henry down to the basement? Regina needs to protect him. All the stuff that happens is just Pan being Pan and doing his stupid plans to get him where he needs to be. But in this case, it comes at the detriment to the characters because you are right. Regina would notice something. She knows people. She knows how to read people. She knows her son. I I think this plays back into the part where, and I talked about this the last couple episodes, where like Pan as a as an adult man who has been on the planet for what seems like probably centuries, his only his only point of manipulation and interaction has been with these young lost children that he can manipulate and make believe. Uh, in him as a power source like he's manipulating these very fragile brains 
um, these very young, unexperienced kids on his island. A bunch of adults, especially grown adults, not even just grown adults like Emma. Emma has only been alive for 28 years. Regina, a question mark number of years. He shouldn't be able to manipulate adults he doesn't know. And he doesn't know Regina. He doesn't know anything about Henry enough to even pass as any of that stuff. So I, I really think that a lot of this was just such a falter in remembering that this is just a deadbeat dude who's like really cool with high school kids. You know what I mean? Like he's like that guy that keeps coming back, but like all the adults in his life are like, that guy's a piece of shit. It, it also feels especially insulting since the previous episodes we were uh, we were on focused on Regina becoming Henry's mother and embracing her identity as his mother. So we spent all this time exploring that with Regina only for them to kind of slap us in the face with, no, actually Emma knows him better. Yeah. Yeah. Like that, weird. Uh, you know, like it, it, it hurts. Like I, 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 my heart hurt for Regina in that. And she even had that moment where she's like, I didn't know. I should have known. And I, when I hear that, I'm like, I don't feel, oh, I feel for you, Regina. I'm like, no, she should have known. This, she should this, have. Yeah. But alas, everyone is doing their thing. As Pan is doing his pen machinations, Emma is debating whether to go have lunch with Neil and Charming. The one time he decides to do dad thing is to talk about Neil and then make a gay joke about Hook. Okay. I I had to pause the episode because I started laughing hysterically. I'm like, oh no, did all of our fears and all of our like weird discussions about Pan or about Hook coming in and Josh Dallas like, it's all true. It's all right there. They said it. They've spoken it into existence. Like I... Yeah, it's a gay joke, but it just, for some reason, just based on the conversations that we've been having, made me laugh hysterically. I, uh, this whole thing, this, first of all, this whole thing's wild. Because it's just like, we'll just have lunch. And he, she doesn't have lunch. An adult woman has decided not to come have lunch with another adult man. So now her parents are involved. Like, yeah, this is, this was bad. Like, he, he went to go fetch her. Yeah, hey, you're making a mistake. He's such a cute guy. And she's like, do you just not want me to end up with Hook? And he's like, oh, no, yeah, it's just because I think he's so pretty. <laughs> it's definitely a false thing that I'm saying and not a true thing at all. He's so pretty. <laughs> I love his eyeliner. <laughs> well, before they can have lunch, shit goes down. Um, we've got... All the pieces are going into place. Mother Superior is saying, Tink, you cannot have your wings because you don't believe in yourself enough. And then you've got Hook trying to hit on her and like pick her I, up. This I love this messiness so much. So first of all, uh, so first of all, with the Tink thing, she's like, look, she made pixie dust work. And she's like, oh, cool, show me. Oh, I can't do it now. Oh, because you don't believe. Blue, can you make pixie dust work? Is that what the implication here was? Is that pixie dust can work in the right hands? Or only Tink made it work? Because I thought it was just like some magical cool thing that Tink could do that Blue wouldn't have been able to do. But I, whatever. I, I think either way, Blue's not going to test it because Blue needs to maintain a, an illusion of authority at all times. 
Yeah, well, sucks for her because she died. Uh, <laughs> she no. does. She yes, but she does. Yeah, the 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 hook tink thing is hysterical to me because this is um <laughs> so wild to me. Uh, is because he's just like, hey, what's going on? She's like, listen, I have more self respect than to bone you because you are sad that you can't be with the other blonde woman you would like to be with. I no thank you, tink. 10 out of 10. Love this. The moment, the moment Emma shows up, she's like, wait, are you two? And Tink, no. Hook, yeah, definitely. Just now. We totally finished. It was amazing. <laughs> she saw God. It was amazing. <laughs> he just, he looked, he looked like a child again. Like just the way he carried himself. He was just like, yeah, totally. We, we got to, I got over the bra action. It was amazing. <laughs> it was like, <laughs> And it was just such a childlike like moment. Two and I loved it. Straight minutes. She, no fools. Oh, I know. Yeah, it was great. It was it was great. Like her dad wasn't home, so I like came right over. It was amazing. <laughs> we had pizza rolls after. It was great. And this came after that kind of strange moment between Hook and Neil where where like they're they're chilling over a beer because everyone gets together at Granny's to celebrate their success, the freedom from Neverland. And Hook's like, you know what, dude? I'm going to back off because you're going to leave and then I'm going to swoop back in. So it's just temporary back off. I'm going to give it a fighting chance because I love families, but you're going to fail. So it was just weird. This was so weird. It was so messy. It It was such a weird dick movie. He's like, listen, I'm not going to get in your way. You go do what you need to do. Meanwhile, I'm going to be over here. So that when you get out of here because you're a deadbeat piece of shit, who's going to be there? Me. <laughs> Abby, I just realized this plays into the theme. He's telling Neil he's going to destroy himself. Oh, no. <laughs> it's so deep. I love, fits. I love the foreshadowing of this, too, where it's just like, listen, I'm not going to do anything. I'm just going to wait until you're no longer here. I Because Tink saying I have all of the self-respect for myself and Hook going, Self-respect? Never heard of her. I don't have any. I I love this woman over here with every bit of me, all from the tip of my hook all the way to the tip of my toes. I'm just going to wait until I'm literally the only option for her. That's how that's where I'm at. I love this. It's so this is why I said that he's like the messiest person in this episode, is because he is just this has such like Again, he was in Neverland, so he's just got teenage boy energy. It's hysterical. Oh, I love this. I love this so much. It was none of it made any sense. This is not how grown adults are, and if they are, they're toxic as hell. Before we get to the big pan plan, I do want to point out very quickly that David is now cured. It happened very easily, almost oh, too easy. In what fact, what was that? Yeah, hey, got your cure. Um, also, Wendy is with her brothers. Um, yes. And she's going to go on tour with the Lumineers with them. Like, it's going to be great. Um, I So I guess that's a series fin- a wrap on all three of them. It's just like, it's over. We did it. I, yeah, a lot of weird f- closed-end stuff happens. Uh, yeah, and then uh, it's so weird. Like, Blue does a lot of screaming, but not it's a very lot of loud. magic. Not a lot of magic happening. No, it's... So, like, Henry is, as, you know, Pan. We're just going to call him Pan Pan. So Pan Pan, <laughs> Pan, it, Pan. is Red just Red. being super sus with Regina. He's like, you have a vault, right? 
Can I, like, see it? Why? Because I'll be safe there. It's like your bomb shelter, right? I'll be safe there. Ever the bad people are coming to get me, and it's super scary. I'm going to be so scared. Can you protect me in your magic vault? Please? She's, he's, I love you, mother, so much. You're my favorite mom in the entire world. Honey, I will take you anywhere. <laughs> I will take you to any. But this is where she should have known. Because he doesn't say, take me to your vault. He was just like, hey, you brought your vault with you. Not sure it was a vault in the uh, Enchanted Forest, but we'll let that slide. But the way he says it, he's like, bitch, you've been in it. Like, which cut to, like, when we're talking about, like, Henry could have told him. Henry didn't tell him shit. Like, he does. He knows his name is Henry. Pop quiz, Pan dressed as Henry. What is Henry's last name? Boom. You have no idea. <laughs> What's his middle name? What's his birthday? He doesn't know any of that. Just ask random facts that you could discover on his social security card. Pan does not know. But what Pan does know is how to um, stir up shit. So he summons his shadow that everyone decided was just fine to leave on the sale unguarded. Be- that was well, a smart Pan guy. Pan has been Pan has been put into Pandora's box under a ah. floorboard, magicked with Rumple's super magic, and then the random only I can unseal that. What could go wrong? <laughs> Oh, a lot of things go wrong. Blue dies. She gets her soul ripped out of her as her screams reverberate across the town. And only six people come running. What is this town? This town is just unhinged. Uh, Yeah, so they they find out, oh shit, that's happening. So now Pan Pan is telling Regina, hey, now I need to go into your vault. It's the only place I'm going to be safe. I need to be protected. So Regina takes him down. The entirety of the rest of this episode, just to, to, to cap this for you, is mostly in the vault. Because they yes. all kind of converge on the vault while Henry and Regina are in there, or Pan Pan are in there. And he's just like, I love you so much, Mommy. Gives her a hug. And then he's just like, pocket sand. And she passes out. You're right. Because then the other thing that happens is they get Pan out of Pandora's box because they got to figure out how he's controlling the shadow, even though he's still locked in the box. And this was the other part that really pissed me off. Because like, they, they take him, they take him outside of the town line, so he doesn't have his magic, and they pull him out, and he's like, Mom, it's me! It's We've had a body swap episode! <laughs> Trust me! <laughs> it's and- a Freaky Friday situation! I'm Lindsay Lohan here! <laughs> and... And Emma's pointing her gun at him, and he's she's like, tell me, tell me something only Henry would know. Here's a couple facts. Lies! Oh, wait, they're true, but no. Okay, tell me something only Henry would know. Tell me about this super specific memory thing. When we first connected, what did you tell me? And they have this bonding thing. And it's very sweet, but I'm going to call back to the whole Regina thing. This is what I really don't like about this. This kind of double down on... Emma is Regina. Emma is Henry's true mother. Like that's yeah. kind of what it felt like in the end. It's like no one knows Henry like a real mother does. And considering how hard the show has been working to show us Regina's relationship as his mother, this this felt like a weird. Um, it felt like it was kind of placing judgment, and it felt like it was it was picking a side. 
Yeah. Like, making sides, picking one, and that side was Emma, and I did not like it. Yeah. And again, I'll just harken back to the fact that, you know, they're like, no, Pan could have told him all that stuff. Just a thought experiment. Henry and Pan. Pan is trying to take Henry's heart to put into his own body. That's the plan. Uh, The entire time they're on this island, Pan is trying to do several devious things. He doesn't sit around and talk to Henry a lot. At what point do you think how Henry enjoys his hot cocoa would come up between two teenage boys? Yeah, I don't think anybody really bothered to. I mean, I guess they were like, oh, well, Henry is being has was tempted to the dark side to become a lost boy. Maybe that's when he told him about his cocoa preferences. I, I, yeah, I'm a lost boy. I'm so sad. I'll never have hot chocolate with cinnamon on top like my mom always had. Or that how I, like, even when you tell somebody your life story, your elevator pitch life story, you don't give that much information. So, again, again, children. These are children. I know that Pan is a, a, a however old person, but still basically a teenager. Just a bunch of teenage boys sitting around hitting each other with sticks. How you found your birth mother doesn't come up much. (laughs) And just, it just doesn't. So that's what I found. But you're right. The fact that they put judgment on it. Like, they should be balanced. Like, she's like a found mother, even though she's his actual mother, which would be such an interesting take. Like, I found you, but you are my birth mother. So it's a different dynamic versus this mother who found me and loves me like she gave birth to me. Like, that's a crazy dynamic that would have been super awesome to explore. We don't do that. (laughs) Well, I, I feel like we get closer to it later, but we're certainly not doing it right now. They're, they're, I don't know if it's on purpose or just a consequence of the storyline that they chose to do, but they're placing a value judgment on it. And the value judgment tips Harry very heavily to Emma in this situation. Uh, that said, I do like Robbie's performance as Pan as Henry. I thought he it was nice to kind of see the actor being more vulnerable because he's always just been like, you know, furrow eyebrow menacing. It was kind of nice to see him give him a little sweeter side for a little bit. I did like that he has my problem. Even when he's being neutral and or vulnerable, his eyebrow stills up constantly. <laughs> like his eyebrows never level. Like that's a problem I have. Like it's just like I can't stop this. It's just how my eyebrow is. And yeah, everybody, everybody hugs and Henry, everyone embraces. Regina is woken up and is like, oh shit, what did I, what did I do? What happened? I am a horrible mother and my bones curled up inside. And no one stops that. No one's just like, no, you're not a horrible mother. You've been tricked by an, an eldritch horror. Nope. And then we end on what Pan has done. He has grabbed the original curse and he's going to do it again. But it will be his curse, and it will make a new Neverland with Felix by his side. I, I love the idea that, like, Regina's vault has, like, really, like, odd labels on it. Like, if you go to the side corner, there's just, like, a little box, and it just says, THE CURSE in all capital letters, but, like, a trademark symbol up top. And then, like, right next to it is this, like, weird brown diamond that just says, you know, the undo button like the breaker of things because she just has all that stuff in her vault how does she label it i have questions well like yeah and you know we see 
Pan Pan studying the book, the, the fairy tale book, because he's trying to get information on where the curse is. I mean, maybe he saw like the story. There was a picture where Regina put it in a box and he was looking for that box specifically. Like I there we needed we needed Pan to find the scroll. So Pan found the scroll. That's all that happened. Much like moving the entirety of the moon, this big thing happens off screen. But yes. he does it and we're not supposed to ask any questions. And yeah, as said before, the title of the episode is the last word spoken in the show. Uh, just a weird choice, a bizarre choice. Literally could have named it anything else. Yeah. And guys, that was season three, episode 10, The New Neverland. We did it. We did it. We're under an hour. That's actually pretty Proud rough of us. us. Yeah, I know. We're t- you just sound so beat down by this. I'm uh. really tired of this episode. Like, I'm... I wanted to watch the season finale, the mid-season finale, because I was so bored by this episode. And it's worth it, guys. It's really good. <laughs> I'm so excited. To talk. I, a, a little part of me was like, Abby, should we like do like a double episode? And I'm like, no, because I have to go to bed. Because like uh, I'm really sleep. excited to talk about this mid-season finale because I, I don't know if you watched ahead or not, Abby, but like this may be the best finale in this whole show oh big I'm words i'm not kidding big words i'm not kidding i'm i'm okay i am staking that claim better even than them going into the underworld yes this is the best finale the show ever did mid-season or season so that is and i'll just say a very bold claim knowing that that you know what happens mm-hmm. for the other half of this show. Uh, Cause that's basically where we've gotten, we've gotten to now we're like basically halfway through. Is that right? There's seven, there's seven seasons. So like the seventh season is the whatever season. So yeah, we're basically halfway through. Um, yeah. Uh, but, <laughs> but also because we were so young and vulnerable and just silly and sweet summer children when the, when the underworld thing happened, even when the dark Emma, like the the dark Emma thing happened, like it was just the the youth, the youthful expression of I'm I'm excited to rewatch those, knowing what I know now because I've never rewatched those. So I am very excited to watch this episode with all of the knowledge I have now. I'm really excited to watch Frozen because Frozen was like the show's first like cash grab at Disney, yeah, and I. I remember it feeling like such a sellout thing because how much they recreated the movie. Mm-hmm. So I'm very curious to like watch it again with all of that behind me being like, was that what it was or was there actual good merit to the story behind it and the snow queen thing that they ultimately did with it. But that's another conversation for another time. We have an entire half of a season that has nothing to do with that to still tackle we've got a lady in green makeup to deal with i'm so (laughs) i i'm so excited this episode this show is missing something and her name is zelina and now you get to watch this uh the season next week's season finale going home with the knowledge that that how i feel about it so then you can kind of come in and and whether or not you agree because i'll want to talk about it because 
I'm staking. I'm I'm tall putting order. that out there now. All order. I'm excited. To, I'm excited to see to see this and just go into. It. I'm gonna go with fresh eyes. I'm gonna try to ignore the, the what you just said and just watch it myself and let you know what I think about it. Uh, but also, I I'm I'm very aware this show knows how to do their finales. They know how they, to do mid season finales and first episodes. It's all that middle stuff that just gets in the way. Damn it! <laughs> oh well, guys, I've I've got to take a little cat nap for many hours after watching that episode a big uh, cat nap we want to thank nap. all of you for joining us for this latest episode of once upon a timing a wonderful thank you to our patrons especially our snow queen patrons cecile jenny zdf daisha thompson patrick stevens jacob Fulcalt, philip corn samantha hosel brian sanina lisa slack Lindsay alice halleck paul rayan gregoricus emily Rachel Zucker, La Femme Fictionale, Erica Farrow, The Salt in Our Stars, and Zach Chobanoff. If you'd like to be a patron, you can join us at patreon.com slash Timing. You can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spreaker, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can join our Facebook group at facebook.com slash group slash Timing. You can find us on Twitter. I am at Beth Elderkin. I'm at just underscore Abby. And we will be back next week with season three, episode 11, Going Home. And we're going places, and I'm very excited. It's going to be a lot, guys. So thank you again for joining us in Abby. We will see you next week. See you next week, Beth. Under an hour, we We did did it. it.